<laughs> Welcome! Greetings from Elfie's World. This is a place where we, well, we try to bring you a little fun. Maybe we're going to pique your interest, and I hope, I hope we're going to give you an opportunity to learn a thing or two about history. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm really glad that you decided to join us today. Great to have you here. My name is Elfie Wolfram, and I hope you enjoy our presentation. Now, today, we're presenting another program from our collection of stories entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, these are true stories which have often either been totally overlooked or, or sometimes not given quite the attention they deserve by the potentates of history. We're going to leave it to you to decide. So, here is episode number 14, and it is entitled Witches Who Terrified Nazis. So, kick back, relax, and enjoy. Now, if someone were to ask you to talk about well, the, the witches of history, one might think of, well, the, the Salem witch trials, or, or perhaps even the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> but what if I were to ask you about the Russian witches of World War II? <laughs> yes, they were called the Night Witches, but they didn't fly in broomsticks. <laughs> you know, you know, instead, they flew for the Russian Air Force. It all started when Adolf Hitler launched Operation Barbarossa, his massive invasion of the Soviet Union in June of 1941. By the fall of that year, the Germans were advancing on Moscow. Leningrad was under siege, and the Red Army was struggling. The Soviets were desperate for pilots. Now, using female bombardiers wasn't exactly their first choice. I mean, previously, women had been barred from combat. However, the pressure of an encroaching enemy gave Soviet leaders a reason to rethink their policy. In desperation, they turned to the one human resource they had not tapped for battle. Women. Now, because modern aircraft were far too valuable to be entrusted to mere uh, females, these new pilots flew under the cover of darkness in bare-bones plywood biplanes, which dated back to World War I. These heroic ladies braved bullets and frostbite from the air flying in open cockpits while battling skepticism and sexual harassment on the ground. The Germans gave them the nickname of Nachthexen, or night witches, because of the whooshing noise their wooden planes made, which resembled that of a sweeping broom. Now this sound was the only warning that the Germans had of the terror to follow. These courageous ladies were feared and hated so much by the German high command that any German airman or soldier who downed one of these female night marauders was automatically awarded the prestigious Iron Cross Medal of Heroism. Now, 
the planes were too small to show up on radar or, or even infrared locators. They never used radios, so radio locators couldn't pick them up either. They were basically ghost ships. Now, officially named the Soviet 588th Night Bombardier Regiment, their first mission was on the evening of June 28th, 1942. They took aim successfully at the headquarters of the invading Nazi forces. Now, the squadron was the brainchild of Mariana Raskova, known as the Soviet Amelia Earhart. She was famous not only for being the first female navigator in the Soviet Air Force, but also for her many long-distance flight records. Now, Raskova had been receiving letters from women across the all of the Soviet Union wanting to join the World War II effort. Now, while they had been allowed to participate in supporting roles, there were many who wanted to be gunners or even pilots. They wanted to fly in their own right, directly into the heart of the war. Often, they had lost brothers or sweethearts in battle, or they had seen their homes and villages ravaged and destroyed. Seeing an opportunity, Raskova petitioned Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin to let her form an all-female fighter squadron. Well, against his better instincts, Stalin finally agreed. Raskova was allowed to recruit young women for a female flying squadron. And so, they began to enlist young ladies for the first time in modern history into a heroic, daredevil, all-female Russian bomber pilot regiment. On October 8, 1941, Stalin gave orders to deploy the three all-female Air Force units into action. The women would not only fly missions and drop bombs, they could even return fire. And thus, the Soviet Union was the first nation in modern times to officially allow women to participate and engage in combat. Previously, women could only help transfer planes and ammunition to the front, after which the men took over. Now, Raskova quickly started to fill out her ranks. From more than 2,000 applications, she selected around 400 women for each of the three units. Most of these new flyers were students, ranging in the age from 17 to 26. Now, those selected moved to Engels, a small village near Stalingrad, to begin training at the Engels School of Aviation. With a highly compressed education in combat flying, they were expected to learn in a few months what it took most male flyers several years to grasp. Each recruit had to train and perform as both pilot and navigator so they could serve interchangeably. 
In addition, they also had to do their own maintenance and even serve as ground crew. Beyond their steep learning curve, the women faced skepticism from many of the male military personnel who believed they had no tangible value to the combat effort. As one female pilot reported, the men didn't like the little girls going to the front line. It was, uh, it was a man's thing. The military, totally unprepared for women pilots, offered them meager resources. Flyers received hand-me-down uniforms, which were made for male flyers, and they included oversized boots. One former pilot remembered, We had to tear up our bedding and stuff it in our boots to get them to fit. Their equipment wasn't much better. The military provided them with outdated Polikarpov PO-2 biplanes. These were 1920 crop duster planes that had been used as training vehicles. These light, two-seater open cockpit planes were never meant for combat. One pilot said, It was like a flying coffin with wings. Made of plywood and covered with canvas, these aircraft offered virtually no protection from the elements. Flying at night, pilots endured freezing temperatures and chilling winds that could create devastating frostbite. In the harsh Soviet winters, the planes became so cold, just touching them would rip off a flyer's bare skin. Due to both the plane's limited weight capacity and the military's limited funds, the pilots also lacked other uh, luxury items that their male counterparts enjoyed. Instead of parachutes, which were considered too heavy to carry, and radar, and guns, and radios, they were forced to use more rudimentary tools such as rulers, stopwatches, flashlights, pencils, maps, and compasses. Now, now there were a few advantages to flying older aircraft. Their maximum speed was slower than the stall speed of the Nazi planes, which meant these wooden planes, ironically, could outmaneuver the enemy, making them very hard to target. They also could easily take off and land from almost any location. As for the downside, well, when coming under enemy fire, pilots had to duck by sending their planes into dives. Almost none of the planes carried any defensive weapons. If they happened to be hit by a tracer bullet, which carried a pyrotechnic charge, their wooden planes would immediately burst into flames. Now, the Polycarpovs could only carry two bombs at a time, one under each wing. Now, a regiment was made up of 40 planes with a pilot and navigator for each plane. In order to make a meaningful dent into the German front lines, 
each of the regiments was sent out on between 8 and 18 missions a night, flying back to rearm between runs. Now the weight of the bombs forced them to fly at low altitudes, making them a much easier target for riflemen on the ground. Hence, the night-only missions. The planes, each with a pilot up front and a navigator in back, traveled in packs. Now, the first wave of planes would go in as bait, attracting the German spotlights. These planes, which rarely had weapons to defend themselves, would also release a flare to light up the intended target. The flare provided the second wave of Russian aviators which, with much-needed illumination for their bombing runs. The last wave of planes would idle their engines and glide in darkness into the bombing area. It was this stealth mode that created their signature witch's broom sound. There were 12 commandments the night witches followed. Interestingly, the first of these commandments was, Be proud you are a woman. In their downtime, these heroic flyers still did needlework, patchwork, decorated their planes, and even danced. They even put the pencils that they used for navigation in a double duty as eyeliners. Uh, killing Germans was merely their job. But were these daring female flyers effective? Did they have any impact on the Russian war effort whatsoever? Well, those daring night witches did far more than just make their presence known. In all, the, this pioneering all-female Soviet 588th Night Bomber Regiment dropped more than 23,000 tons of bombs on Nazi targets. And in doing so, they became a crucial Soviet asset in the winning of World War II. Now, their last flight took place on May 4, 1945, when the night witches flew within 60 kilometers of Berlin. Three days later, Germany officially surrendered. Altogether, these daredevil heroines flew more than 30,000 missions in total, or 800 missions for every pilot and navigator team. In comparison, U.S. bomber crews in Europe flew 25 missions before they were rotated home. By the end of the war, the night witches had suffered a total of 30 pilots lost. 24 of their flyers were awarded the title Hero of the Soviet Union, one of Russia's highest decorations. Sadly, Raskova, the mother of the movement, never saw the end of the war. 
when she was finally sent to the front lines, her plane was shot down. She died January 4, 1943, in a fiery crash. Raskova was given the very first Russian state funeral of World War II, and her ashes were buried in the Kremlin. Now, despite being the most decorated unit in the Soviet Air Force during World War II, the Night Witches Regiment was disbanded six months after the end of the war. When it came to the big victory parade in Moscow following the war, they weren't included. It was decided their planes were too slow. Well, despite being degraded, ignored, and overlooked, these women left a legacy which is unquestionable. It is the story of women who were amazing and high-flyingly true. Well, there you have it. Episode number 14, entitled Night Witches Who Terrified Nazis. Part of our weekly series entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, each week we'll be presenting for your enjoyment and edification a brand new audio story from our collection of Amazing But True Tales from History. Now, some of these stories come from our book entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More. As a listener to this program, you are entitled to purchase autographed copies of our original book, Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More, at half the publisher's price of $13.95 or a mere $7 per book. And that includes shipping and handling. Now, for more information, merely go to elfiesworld.com. That's A-L-F-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D, elfiesworld.com, and click on Elfie the Writer for more information. And now, I would like to thank the following for helping to make this program possible. First, Garrett Wolfram, our technical producer and supervisor. The late Irene Wolfram, principal editor and provider of Sage Counsel. Expert publishing for their help in editing and publishing our book. Lucas Ganza Anna Waltz for the Parlor Guitar Magic Set. Hoyne Tomish for the piano introduction. Dee Demizic for breakfast piano jingle. Piotr, one, two, and three for jazz piano introduction. And finally, the thousands of readers who have supported our efforts from the beginning. <laughs>